section thirty three of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds the dressmaker a love story part one it was between nine and ten o'clock on a dark and rainy night in the month of november eighteen thirty four that a young female plainly but decently attired was wending her way along oxford street she had a large parcel beneath her cloak and this parcel she protected against the rain with the most jealous care thinking more in fact of the object of her solicitude than of picking her path with sufficient nicety to enable her to avoid the puddles of water that were ankle-deep in some parts of the pavement but more especially at the crossings for in sooth it was a bitter bitter night the windows of heaven appeared to be indeed opened and the rain fell in torrents the streets seemed to be positively covered in with an arcade of umbrellas on which the quick drops rattled down with the violence of hail the young female whom i have mentioned had an umbrella but she found it rather a difficult task to hold it comfortably with one hand while her left arm encircled as it were the precious parcel beneath her cloak for the passengers in the streets of london are never over remarkable for their civility to each other still less so on such a night as the one i am describing the consequence was that there was an incessant struggle amongst the strong to push their umbrellas safely through the mass and amongst the weak to prevent their own umbrellas from being dragged out of their hands but it naturally happened that the latter fared the worst the young female was meek timid and unobtrusive she only sought to be permitted to pursue her way in peace without being molested for heaven knows she had not the least desire on her part to inconvenience a soul but first some rude hulking fellow would thrust her against the houses almost through the shop windows then if she moved over to the curbstone of the pavement she found herself speedily pushed into the mud to pursue a middle course was impossible because the two streams of persons carrying umbrellas were the monopolists there and so the young female began to lament the necessity which had sent her forth into the streets on such a night as this at length she reached the iron gates leading into hanover square and she rejoiced for she thought within herself that she had now got clear of the crowd and need entertain no farther apprehension of having the precious parcel knocked out of her hands but just as she entered the square a rude coarse fellow rushed against her as he was running hastily round the corner and such was the violence of the concussion that the parcel was knocked from beneath her arm the ruffian who had caused the accident burst into a ferocious laugh as if he had just performed a most humorous or clever feat and darted away but the young female was disconsolate at what had occurred and tears started into her eyes though bruised and hurt by the man's violence she thought not of herself she felt no pain it was on account of the parcel that she was so deeply grieved 
hastily picking it up she hurried to the nearest lamp and the moment she examined the packet beneath the gaslight she found her worst apprehensions confirmed for the parcel contained a costly silk dress well wrapped up in brown paper but the side on which it had fallen was dripping wet and covered with mud oh heavens no food again to-night exclaimed the young female aloud for in her despair she paused not to notice whether she were noticed or overheard and she was both noticed and overheard and by a tall handsome individual of gentlemanly appearance and muffled in a capacious cloak he had issued from the nearest house at the moment the accident occurred and perceiving the brutality of the encounter though too late to prevent it or to chastise the perpetrator he stood still to observe the young female whose countenance as the rays of the lamp fell upon it struck him as being remarkably beautiful in that rapid survey partial as it was by the flickering light which was moreover dimmed by the mist of the falling rain the stranger fancied that he perceived independently of the despair which that countenance now wore a certain settled melancholy expression that at once riveted his interest and excited his sympathies but when those words so terrible in their meaning oh heavens no food again to-night fell upon his ears he accosted the young female and said in a tone of respectful though somewhat condescending pity my poor girl it appears that a sad accident has befallen you the young woman or rather girl for she was not more than eighteen years of age looked up into the face of the individual who thus addressed her and perceiving that it was no insolent coxcomb who spoke she replied in a tone of deep melancholy yes sir it is to me a great misfortune the stranger read or fancied he read an entire history in those few and plaintively uttered words how perhaps a young dressmaker had toiled to finish a particular piece of work in the hope of receiving instantaneous payment on taking it home how the article had been thrown down soiled and rendered at least unfit to be delivered that night to its owner even if it were not spoiled altogether and how the poor girl had lost her only chance of obtaining the wherewith to procure a meal upon more closely though still with great delicacy questioning the young female the stranger found all his surmises to be correct but she could not tell whether the silk dress were injured beyond redemption or not in any case she added still weeping bitterly i shall tell the lady the truth when i take home the dress to-morrow these words uttered with the most unquestionable sincerity made a deep impression upon the gentleman who was addressing her for they denoted an unsophisticated uprightness of character which augmented the interest he already felt in the poor young creature and who is the lady you speak of he inquired the dowager marchioness of wilmington was the reply ah ejaculated the stranger then after a moment's pause he said pardon me young woman for having asked you so many questions but it has not been through motives of idle curiosity here is a small sum that will procure you immediate necessaries 
and thrusting a coin into her hand he hurried away the deed took the poor girl completely by surprise for although it has occupied me some time to relate all that passed between her and the generous stranger yet in reality their dialogue was of scarcely more than two minutes duration and the dressmaker had not yet recovered from the grief into which the accident to her parcel had plunged her when therefore the light of the lamp flashed upon a bright yellow coin she could scarcely believe her eyes she fancied that her benefactor had made a mistake and intended to give her a shilling and then in spite of the cold night the warm blood rushed to her cheeks at the idea of any one treating her as a mendicant for she had her little feelings of pride poor though she were but her next thought was that the stranger might really have intended to present her with a sovereign and so strange a sentiment is human pride even in the most virtuous bosoms her soul revolted not from receiving that amount and now lest this circumstance should induce you to form an evil opinion of my heroine i must inform you that it was no selfish nor avaricious feeling that made her draw a distinction between the gift of a shilling and that of a sovereign but she had been tenderly and genteelly brought up and the comparison which her mind drew was simply as between the alms that one would toss to a mendicant and the pecuniary aid which a delicate benevolence would administer to a person in temporary embarrassment of all these things she thought as she retraced her way along oxford street holding her umbrella with her right hand and with her left arm encircling the parcel more carefully than before she came to the conclusion that the sovereign was not given by mistake and she resolved to avail herself of the bounty which providence itself had appeared to bestow upon her in the hour of her bitterest need she thought of the little brother who was anxiously expecting her return and who had fared so scantily for the last few days that little brother of only eight years old whom the sudden premature and almost simultaneous death of their parents about two years previously had left so completely dependent upon her as she drew near the street in which she lived she stopped at the baker's where she was accustomed to deal and purchased some nice buns and then she hurried on until she reached the house wherein she rented a small back room on the third floor on entering the little chamber which though poorly furnished was very clean and neat a beautiful boy with light brown curly hair and fine blue eyes but with cheeks somewhat pale sprang towards her exclaiming oh dear sister julia i am so glad you have come back for i cannot bear to be left alone so long i have brought you something nice harry said the kind girl smiling sweetly upon him and she placed the bag containing the buns in his hand joy sparkled in his eyes but in another moment he observed that his sister had brought back the parcel which he had opened and was carefully examining the silk dress to ascertain the amount of injury done to it throwing the cakes upon the table the boy hastened to question her but poor julia could not answer him scalding tears were trickling down her cheeks a suffocating grief filled her bosom for she found to her dismay that the dress was completely spoilt 
she sat down and gave full vent to her anguish and the little harry threw his arms round her neck and endeavoured to console her the flood of tears which she shed and the affectionate conduct of her little brother at length considerably soothed her and the poor girl made up her mind to meet her misfortune with resignation you are dripping wet dear julia said harry and there is not a morsel of coal left he added looking at the miserable remnant of a fire which was fast extinguishing in the grate poor boy you have been cold exclaimed the dressmaker not thinking of herself no dear julia he answered for i have been walking up and down the room to keep myself awake till you came back i was only afraid that the candle would not last nor will it many minutes longer harry cried julia starting from her seat but do not be afraid my dear little fellow for i have plenty of money to buy all we want for the moment a good kind gentleman took compassion upon me and and she did not choose to say and gave me some money for somehow or another her pure soul revolted from the idea that she had been the object of eleemosynary benevolence on the part of a stranger so cutting the matter short she kissed her little brother tenderly bade him eat his cakes and promising to return in a few minutes hurried away she ordered up coals and wood from the nearest shed thence she repaired to the grocer's where she purchased a few articles and lastly she sped to the baker's to buy bread but the moment she entered this shop the master rushed from behind the counter seized her rudely called her by many opprobrious names and raising an alarm attracted the attention of a policeman who was passing by the constable entered the shop and inquired the cause of the disturbance but poor julia had fainted and she therefore heard not the charge that was made against her when she came to her senses she gazed wildly around thinking that she had just awoke from a horrid dream but alas it was all too true she was seated in a chair in the middle of the shop a policeman standing near her and a gaping curious crowd collected at the door now young woman said the officer come along with me julia cast upon him a look so full of horror and amazement that the man's heart was for an instant touched but being accustomed to endless varieties of imposture on the part of offenders he speedily recovered the cold indifference so characteristic of his class and said sternly if not brutally none of this nonsense you must tramp off to the station-house but what have i done what offence have i committed asked julia in a tone of the most pathetic entreaty oh there must be some dreadful mistake in all this no mistake at all said the officer and you'll know all about it in the morning when you go before the magistrate the magistrate repeated the girl with the emphasis of despair but my poor little brother what will become of him that's no business of mine returned the constable come along and he dragged the half-fainting julia from the shop away to the nearest station-house was the unhappy young woman rather borne than conducted and so stunned so stupefied was she by this sudden unaccountable and overwhelming misfortune that her tongue refused to give utterance to the questions which her suspense prompted her lips to frame the station was close by and thus was it that before she had leisure to recover from her bewilderment and terror she found herself thrust into a dark cell all dripping wet from head to foot as she was 
when full consciousness returned and she was enabled to look her misfortune in the face she found that all the articles she had purchased at the grocer's and all the remainder of her money were gone yet she could not possibly conceive on what charge she had been thus rudely treated and her conscience inspired her with the hope that her complete innocence must become apparent in the morning but the thought of her little brother excited the most painful sensations in her bosom her heart was rent with pangs that seemed to threaten her very existence the poor little fellow she fancied she saw him sitting in the cold lonely chamber crying bitterly at his sister's prolonged absence and then a thousand fears haunted her all distracting in the extreme might he not take it into his head to go out to look after her he who was so ignorant of london and then might he not be lost in the mazes of the mighty metropolis and on a night when it would be almost death to him to wander about the flooded streets oh all these fears these thoughts were terrible for she dearly loved her little brother loved him perhaps the more affectionately the more tenderly because their orphan condition rendered him so completely dependent upon her and because he was so much attached to her and his ways were so winning his disposition so cheerful in the midst of these harrowing meditations a policeman opened the trap in the door of the cell and called her by name julia murray she answered in a faint and feeble tone and the officer was about to close the trap satisfied that his prisoner was not ill nor had attempted suicide when the young woman suddenly exclaimed stop one moment well what is it demanded the constable in a few hurried words julia explained to him how she had a little brother expecting her return how he would be overwhelmed with grief at her unaccountable absence and how grateful she should feel if any one could be sent to inform the child that his sister would be certain to return in the morning the constable who was a kind-hearted man promised that her request should be complied with and he was about to depart when a thought striking him he said but are you so sure young woman of getting off so easy as you imagine the charge is a serious one mind the charge she repeated i do not even yet know what it is oh that's all gammon cried the constable closing the trap abruptly and now his opinion of the prisoner being that she was a hardened impostor and had some sinister motive in view in sending a message to her lodgings determined to trouble himself no more concerning the matter it was however some consolation to the poor girl to believe that her commission would be duly executed for though she had heard the officer's unfeeling cutting observation relative to her ignorance of the accusation against her she could not for an instant suppose that he would neglect to fulfil his promise regarding her little brother but wearily wearily passed away that night not once did the poor dressmaker close her eyes and she counted every hour that was proclaimed from the neighbouring church clock often saying to herself that never never had time travelled with such leaden pace before she had not tasted food for many hours and yet she was not hungry but she experienced a terrible faintness at the chest and an oppressiveness on the brain that at intervals made her mind wander her cloak was dripping wet when she had been locked up and her shoe stockings and the lower part of her dress were saturated but she had thrown her cloak aside and her garments had dried upon her and now she felt not positively cold only a numbness in her limbs which gave her however no pain at length the dull misty wintry morning dawned upon the metropolis 
the wall was still dark in her gloomy cell presently an officer entered and gave her a cup of hot coffee and a piece of bread she asked him if the message had been sent to her brother but he was not the same constable who had made the round of the cells at midnight and therefore knew nothing about the matter moreover he was a stern sulky man and she dared not speak farther to him much as she longed to ascertain the real nature of the charge against her she drank the coffee which seemed to do her good but she could not force a single mouthful of the bread down her throat though the cravings of hunger now began to oppress her cruelly but to use a common phrase her heart heaved against food a couple of hours more passed away and then the same policeman who had arrested her on the preceding evening came to conduct her to the police office while they were proceeding thither julia inquired the nature of the charge against her and she now learnt for the first time that the coin which she had changed at the baker's and which she had believed to be a sovereign was only a gilt counter of the kind used at card-tables in genteel society she was cruelly shocked at this information and frankly and candidly explained to the officer the manner in which she had become possessed of it but he only shook his head and seemed to put but little faith in her story julia was however too much absorbed in the vexation and ignominy she had thus been subjected to and was still enduring to notice the man's incredulity but she clung to the hope that her tale would be believed by the magistrate before whom she was about to appear it happened that the usual charges of drunkenness were just disposed of at the moment when the young female entered the court and she was accordingly at once placed at the bar the baker being already in attendance to prefer his charge against her this he did in a plain and straightforward manner showing no ill-feeling against the prisoner but on the contrary alleging that he had always believed her to be a highly respectable industrious and praiseworthy young woman until the present transaction took place he added that he had given her into custody in a moment of irritation believing himself to have been duped and that he should be truly delighted if she could make her innocence apparent julia's courage was somewhat restored by the forbearing conduct of the baker for her own good sense told her that the case was really one involving much unpleasant suspicion and she now told her tale with an artlessness and sincerity that produced no inconsiderable effect upon the bench nevertheless as the magistrate observed it certainly appeared strange that a gentleman should have given her a gilt counter in mistake for a sovereign strange also that a mere stranger should have intended to bestow upon her a sovereign at all the magistrate proceeded to state that the prisoner must be remanded in order that the gentleman of whom she spoke if her story were true might come forward upon seeing the report of the case in the newspapers and tender his evidence julia burst out into an agony of weeping when she heard that she must go to prison for a week and the baker requested the magistrate to reconsider his decision this appeal was however made in vain but it was intimated that bail would be received for the prisoner's reappearance the baker gave a whispered assurance to the unhappy girl that he would get two of his friends to become security for her and this promise consoled her when she was removed from the office on her way to a cell in the rear of the establishment the baker told her that his wife had taken care of her brother who had passed the night at their house and he expressed his deep regret that he should have proceeded against her as he had learnt from her landlady that she was a young woman of most exemplary character to be brief the baker performed his promise of procuring bail for the prisoner 
and at about two o'clock in the afternoon she was enabled to return home little harry was speedily brought back to her by the baker's wife who it appeared had bitterly reproached her husband on the preceding evening for his conduct towards miss murray and with considerate kindness had at once sent for her brother whom the good woman consoled with some plausible tale accounting for his sister's absence julia was not however happy even though restored to liberty for the charge still hung over her and so much depended on the chance of the appearance of her unknown benefactor who she still firmly believed had accidentally and most unintentionally given her the guilt counter which had led to so much wretchedness and serious embarrassment her first care was now however to proceed to the house of the old marchioness of wilmington with the silk dress which was completely spoiled and julia's heart was heavy as she hurried along oxford street the weather was dull and gloomy but the rain had ceased and the two streams of people flowed on in different directions without the hurry bustle and struggling that had prevailed on the preceding evening julia's bosom palpitated nervously when she reached the spot where the accident had occurred that accident to which her present sorrows might be traced on reaching the house of that marchness in hanover square the poor girl was conducted into the presence of the dowager a proud stately dame whose age exceeded fifty but who endeavoured by means of rouge false hair false teeth and the appliances of the toilette to appear at least twenty years younger her ladyship was seated in a small but elegantly furnished parlour and was occupied in reading no in skimming the last new novel which according to the usual fashion had been carefully spun out into three volumes though all the incidents it contained might with advantage have been condensed into one at a beautiful little work-table sat a lovely creature of two-and-twenty with hair as dark as jet fine large black eyes and a tall symmetrical but rather robust figure on this fair young lady's countenance there was a slight shade of melancholy and her cheeks were somewhat pale but apparently through a secret care and not ill health this was lady caroline jerningham the only daughter of the marchioness and consequently sister to the marquis of wilmington her ladyship's only son on entering the presence of these ladies julia who had previously arranged in her own imagination the precise terms in which she proposed to tell her tale with a strict adherence to truth forgot all her studied task and became overwhelmed with confusion the marchioness looked so stately so prim so queen-like in her deportment not to say positively austere that the poor girl was seized with vague apprehensions and unknown terrors as if she had committed a great and grievous fault lady caroline however cast upon her a look of such kind encouragement and also of such significance that it almost struck julia at the moment that the young patrician lady had a foreknowledge of the disaster which had occurred to the dress yet how was that possible and as the absurdity of such an idea forced itself upon the girl's mind the instant after the idea itself was entertained her confusion and embarrassment were increased and she burst into tears the dowager uttered an ejaculation of surprise and julia hastily wiping her eyes cast an appealing glance on lady caroline who to her relief and amazement she beheld gazing upon her with an expression of reassurance and deep almost tender interest encouraged by the evident graciousness of the young lady julia proceeded to open the parcel and while so doing she began an explanation of the accident which had occurred to the dress 
the countenance of the marchioness to whom she glanced timidly lowered and contracted but lady caroline hastened to observe in a kind and condescending manner whatever has happened to the dress miss murray i am confident my mother will attribute to a misfortune and to no blamable neglect on your part permit me to answer for myself lady caroline said the dowager in a tone of haughty remonstrance to her daughter and with an austere look at the trembling julia young woman she continued now addressing herself direct to the poor girl you were recommended to me by lady lumley as an efficient honest careful and deserving person one who having been brought up tenderly and by parents moving in a genteel sphere until the time of their decease was suddenly compelled to have recourse to the needle to earn a subsistence under such circumstances and with this recommendation i sent for you i agreed to give you a trial and as i perceive you have spoilt for me a dress that will cost me ten guineas to replace it i admit my lady said julia that you have great cause to be dissatisfied but heaven is my witness that it was an accident and if your ladyship will permit me i will toil day and night until i shall have obtained the wherewith to make good the loss no young woman observed the marchioness somewhat mollified by the artlessness and respectful demeanour of julia murray i cannot being rich oppress you who are poor all that i can do in the case is to decline giving you any further employment you may retire and having thus spoken with a sententious pomposity that would have become a statesman the noble lady waved her hand authoritatively julia's eyes filled with tears which nearly blinded her so that she observed not how peculiar was the interest with which lady caroline jerningham was surveying her but having vainly endeavoured to stammer forth a few words imploring a continuance of the patronage of the marchioness she hurried from the room on the landing outside she paused for a few moments to wipe away the traces of tears from her countenance and somewhat composed herself for she shrank from the idea of attracting unpleasant notice on the part of the lackeys lounging in the hall through which she must pass to reach the street door suddenly she felt a gentle touch upon the shoulder for she had seated herself in a chair on the landing being overcome with grief and physical exhaustion and starting up she beheld lady caroline standing by her side hush said the fair patrician placing her finger upon her lip and glancing towards the parlour door as much as to imply that she had stolen away from her mother's presence and would not have her motive suspected here my poor girl take this and when you require a friend fear not to apply to me but by letter remember in the first instance thus speaking lady caroline thrust five sovereigns into julia's hand and instantly returned to the parlour not waiting a moment to receive the thanks of the astonished and delighted girl julia murray now hurried home and found little harry anxiously expecting her return for although he was too young to comprehend the nature of the alarms which she had experienced when sallying forth on account of the spoilt dress yet he was fearful lest she might remain away from him for several hours again he had no cares that poor little fellow when his sister was with him and he now asked her in so sweet yet earnest a manner not to leave him any more during a whole night that she felt as if she would go through fire and water for that darling boy but she had no work in hand and though she possessed five sovereigns real sovereigns and no gilt counters this time yet she could not bear the idea of being idle she however promised to remain at home all that day and she prepared a nice little dinner which made harry so happy that she wished oh how sincerely she wished she could always provide for him in the same manner 
she endeavoured to appear as cheerful as she could but there was a weight upon her spirits for the accusation still hung over her head and she was in suspense whether the unknown would see her case in the papers and appear to justify her besides would not the publicity given to the affair injure her with those kind patronesses who had hitherto taken such an interest in the orphan girl and should the stranger gentleman not be forthcoming would not a stigma be affixed upon her character even though the magistrate as the baker assured her must be the alternative should dismiss the case of all these things she thought and when harry noticed her not a pearly tear would trickle down her pale but beauteous face for julia was very beautiful her hair was of a rich dark brown her eyes of melting blue her teeth of pearly whiteness and her shape elegant graceful and sylph-like on the ensuing morning after breakfast julia had just put on her bonnet and shawl to go out for the purpose of calling upon her various patronesses and inquiring whether they needed her services when the landlady of the house in which she lodged entered the room and said miss murray a gentleman wishes to speak to you he will not walk up to your apartment as he does not know whether you may choose to receive him here and he is accordingly waiting in my parlour a ray of hope flashed to the mind of the young woman what if it were the unknown who had given her the guilt counter the suspicion was strengthened by the delicacy of his behaviour in not ascending to her chamber for during the brief discourse which she had with him on the night so fatal to her he had manifested a disposition quite in accordance with the propriety of conduct and considerate proceeding adopted by the individual who now waited to see her telling harry that she should not be long julia hurried downstairs and in a few moments she found herself in the presence of the individual who was uppermost in her thoughts yes it was indeed he the unknown the same tall handsome man and enveloped too in a cloak richly lined with sables he was about eight-and-twenty years of age and there was something noble and commanding though gracious and encouraging in his air and demeanour the moment julia made her appearance he rose from the chair in which he had been seated and taking her hand said in a tone of the most earnest sincerity miss murray i know not in what terms to express the shame and grief which i experience at the misfortune that has overtaken you it was not until i saw this morning's newspaper that i even dreamt of the mistake the dreadful mistake i had made and the instant the case met my eyes i hurried hither the explanation which i have to give you can of course anticipate i had purchased some gilt counters only half an hour before i met you in hanover square and i put them loose into the same pocket which contained my money i never for an instant imagined sir said julia that you had purposely trifled with my feelings generous young woman to put such a construction upon a matter which has caused you so much suffering exclaimed the unknown but it is now my duty to accompany you at once to the police court and place your character in the same honourable light in which it originally stood julia was overjoyed at this announcement and the gentleman giving her his arm escorted her to the police court calling however on the baker in their way to desire him to attend immediately before the magistrate during the walk the stranger asked the young woman a great many questions not of an impertinent nature nor denoting an idle curiosity but rather evincing an interest in the orphan girl it however struck julia as somewhat singular that he did not put a simple query to her relative to the spoiled dress it seemed as if he had quite forgotten that incident on their arrival at the police-station the gentleman immediately handed his card to the magistrate 
to whom he whispered a few words at the same time and his worship became all civility and politeness the case was called on without a moment's delay the gentleman concisely but effectually explained the affair of the gilt counter and the magistrate on declaring juliet to be discharged assured her that she would leave the court without the slightest stain on her character the stranger placed ten pounds in the magistrate's hands for the use of the poor box and then departed in company with julia whom he escorted back to the house in which she dwelt on reaching the door he paused and taking her hand said miss murray i shall not insult you by offering a pecuniary recompense for the mortification annoyance and distress you have undergone through that gilt counter but i shall endeavour to serve you in another way farewell for the present you will shortly see me again for be assured he added gazing earnestly upon her for a moment i shall never forget you thus speaking he pressed her hand and hurried away and it was not until he had disappeared from her view that she remembered she was still in profound ignorance of who or what he was it however struck her that the case would be again reported in the newspapers and she therefore hoped that the morrow would clear up the mystery but it was with some degree of anxiety and painful suspense that she thus awaited the publication of the journals of the ensuing day and she could not account to herself for the feelings that thus agitated her although her character had been completely cleared from the imputation thrown upon it and her innocence was made unquestionably apparent although she had ample funds through the generosity of lady caroline jerningham to provide for all present wants and although a secret voice seemed to whisper in her soul that she possessed a good friend in the stranger gentleman yet somehow or another poor julia was not entirely contented was it that the handsome countenance of her unknown benefactor had made any impression on her heart was it that his kind and sympathizing conduct had touched a tender chord in her pure and innocent bosom it is impossible to answer these questions at present but it is very certain that julia experienced a disappointment almost amounting to a positive shock when she found that the morning paper seemed to be in as much ignorance as herself relative to her unknown benefactor the report merely alluded to him as a gentleman whose name did not transpire and this mystery in which her friend evidently wrapped himself became a source of secret trouble to the young dressmaker wherefore had he not revealed his name to her disreputable that name could not be else how could it have produced so magical an effect upon the magistrate was it then a great a famous or a noble name julia sighed and dared not hazard any conjectures but in her heart there suddenly appeared to arise a hope a secret wish that the stranger was not so very highly exalted above her own social sphere again was julia preparing to sally forth and visit the various ladies for whom she was accustomed to work when her landlady brought her up a note it was from lady caroline jerningham requesting miss murray to call upon her in the evening at a stated hour as her ladyship had a quantity of work to place in her hands the young maiden was overjoyed at the receipt of this missive which not only promised her employment but likewise seemed to be an assurance of the tender interest which the charming lady caroline had taken in her she did not therefore stir out until the evening and little harry was delighted that his sister remained at home with him but when the appointed hour drew near she tranquillized her brother with a promise of a speedy return and away she sped with a heart full of hope towards hanover square on reaching the splendid mansion occupied by the dowager marchioness julia was received by lady caroline's own maid and was forthwith conducted to the chamber of her fair patroness 
who treated her in the most kind and condescending manner i regret miss murray she said that i am forced to admit you thus stealthily into the house but my mother is of a peculiar temper although in reality possessed of a good heart i understand your ladyship returned julia the marchioness cannot forgive me for what she considers neglect i am however deeply grateful to your ladyship for thinking otherwise and for giving me such substantial proofs that you entertain so favourable an opinion my dear miss murray observed lady caroline i will do anything i can to serve you for i can well imagine how grateful must be the sympathy of a friend to one who is acquainted with sorrow these words were uttered with almost a mournful emphasis as if the fair speaker craved that sympathy and friendship for herself which she proffered to another and julia could not help regarding her with mingled surprise gratitude and tender interest they were alone together that elegant patrician lady and that beautiful milliner the maid having retired and it appeared as if a species of sisterly feeling suddenly sprang up between them inspiring them with mutual confidence and for the time annihilating the barrier that social distinctions had raised up between them in the eyes of the world thus was it that when lady caroline saw julia's looks fixed upon her in so earnest and plaintive a manner she felt herself irresistibly urged to respond to that tacit yet eloquent proffer of sympathy and affection ah my dear miss murray she said you must not imagine that unhappiness exists only with those who have to toil for their daily bread perhaps indeed their lot is preferable to that of the rich who have causes of grief for you have a constant occupation which allows little leisure for disagreeable reflection whereas i have so much time lady caroline checked herself turned away and hastily passed a handkerchief across her face she had perhaps said more than she intended for from speaking of the richer and poorer classes in general terms she had been carried into personal illustration of the truth of her remarks by pointedly placing herself and julia in juxtaposition miss murray though totally devoid of artfulness was yet endowed with an intellect keen enough to perceive this fact and she now learnt then as indeed she had previously suspected that lady caroline was unhappy but it was not for her to invite a revelation of the fair patrician's cause of sorrow she therefore remained silent End of section thirty three